0: Hey there, Laura here. Just a quick announcement for the month of December, we're going to be taking a much needed Christmas break, but don't worry, we're going to still have new episodes each week for you. In December, we are jumping back to share a few of the most viewed sessions from the 2023 Church Mental Health Summit. And I can't wait to share some of these fantastic talks and resources with you. From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out, so listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that'll equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. I'm so excited for you to join today because today is a flashback to one of the most amazing sessions at our 2023 Church Mental Health Summit with Danielle Strickland. While there were so many incredible talks at the summit, and there is no way that I could pick my favorite from all of the 70 sessions— I will say, though, that this one that you are about to hear, Danielle Strickland's, is one is probably in the top 10 for me personally. She talks about hope, and this is clearly a near and dear topic for me. And I'd love to share for a minute just the reasoning why or why I picked that name, Hope Made Strong, because it's beyond the obvious positive messaging of wanting to strengthen hope in others. I actually see hope as being something sacred. I don't think of hope as a wishful thinking that many think of like in Disney or in, you know, right now in the Christmas season and those Hallmark movies. Hope isn't light and fluffy. Hope is strong. Hope is raw. Hope is true. It's the bedrock to our faith and the bedrock to all well-being. Some friends of mine were building a cottage a few years back in the northern part of Ontario. And in this region, it's it's close to the Canadian Shield, meaning that the landscape is quite rocky. In, in Ontario or in Canada, we call it cottage country. Uh, and as they were digging their hole to lay their foundation, they hit bedrock. Engineers told them that they didn't need to pour a foundation in that section or in that area, but that they could build their house directly on bedrock because it is the strongest and most stable foundation that they could possibly ever have for their house. It was jagged, it was dirty. It didn't look super pretty, but it created the most stable foundation for them to build their family's family's legacy. In this vacation home that they will be passing down generation after generation. And I think this is such a true picture for hope. Hope isn't pretty, it's it's not fancy, it's it's not false positivity and, and good feelings, it's but it's also not distorted criticism. Hope is truth, and that God, in that God is ever faithful. As ministry leaders, sometimes we are in the position of being caretakers of hope for people. People are struggling with their their su- their suffering, and they're struggling with grief, or you know, in their in their life. And there's a lot of things going on, and they lose perspective. And let's be honest, as leaders, we too can lose our perspective or lose our sight of truth, and we worry about the past, or we're anxious for the future. But hope stays present. Hope stays true. Hope is with you right now. And in the name Hope Means Strong, there's this assumption of action and movement, that we are engaged in the action of strengthening hope. We are walking and taking action with people as they navigate their circumstances and seek hope and and grasp to hope and i love how danielle's talk about hope in her in her words and this it might be a spoiler but it's just so good that she talks about hope as an action and how she crafts her message in in her session here it captures how we're able to cultivate hope that we are participants in our story not just observers just observers Danielle is a fellow Canadian and an activist, which I think is so cool. She leads an organization called Boundless, which launches creative exploits like Women Speakers Collective, which is all about raising up the voices of women, or IMBY, which is an acronym for a tiny home movement uh, standing for in, In My Backyard. She also is an advocate for Brave Global, which is preventing human trafficking, and Hagar's Voice, supporting and advocating for survivors of abuse. If you have lost hope or walk alongside others who are hopeless, this session from the 2023 Church Mental Health Summit is for you. I hope you, and I know you will, enjoy it as much as I have.
1: Hi there. My name is Danielle Strickland, and I have the privilege of talking about cultivating a life of hope. And uh, I don't know that there's a more important topic to tell you the truth, not just because I want to talk to you about it, but because I've struggled along with so many people in the world today with all of the fatalistic despair, sort of apocalyptic, it's the end of the world as we know it, realities that we've all faced. And so I want to talk to you about in the middle of those spaces and those difficult spaces, how do we cultivate an authentic hope? How do we be people who live hopefully? You know, in the in the Bible, in Romans, it talks about how God is a God of hope and that he can fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in him so that our hope would over. Flow. This is not a survival hope. This is an overflow of hope. And so my genuine question is, how do I be like that? How do I overflow with hope in a world that is really struggling with despair? Uh, There's a guy named Mark Sayers who wrote a book called The Non-Anxious Presence. And in the book, he talks about how um, there are historical shifts, era shifts, he says, Historically, every couple hundred years or a hundred years, there's this shift in era. And in between the shifts in era, there is this, uh, what he calls the gray zone or what historians call the gray zone. And the gray zone is when all of the things that used to work are no longer working. And we know that everything is shifting, but actually the future is not quite here yet. And so we live in this messy middle of a gray zone between eras. I mean, think about this in the way that you live your life. I mean, in business and economics and politics and religious structures and institutions, education. I mean, this is endless. There's definitely a shift that we're in. And so the impulse in that gray zone is to lose hope. We lose hope in the past because it's not answering the things that we need it to answer right now. And then we lose hope that the future's not coming because it's not here yet. And we stick in this kind of weird spot. It's in that spot where because we're believers in a boundless God, in a present God, in an honest God, in an active God, that we don't have to give in to the anxiety, that there is a hope that is beyond and also deeper than the conditions the world finds itself in. And that's where we want to land. And that's what I want to talk to you about. So three basic principles, super easy, hopefully for you to remember. And the first one is this. Hope is honest, not happy. (laughs) Now, this one's tricky and I don't know whose fault it is. I don't know if it was Disney's fault or Hollywood's fault or like my mother's fault, but uh, generations of people have believed that being hopeful is equivalent to being happy or to be positive. We would actually say that hopefulness is like positive thinking and that if we are not positive, then we're not being hopeful. We would equate sorrow then, or or um, or circumstances that are not happy, with despair. This is a weird distortion of hope, by the way, and it's nowhere in the Bible. The Bible is at least a third of lament, <laughs> and lament means telling the truth with like. Full meaning. Lament means to grieve. Uh, In the Old Testament, it would look like people tearing their clothes, you know, like just in grief, literal lament. It would look like pouring out requests to God. I mean, so much of the biblical story is about people who are suffering and are in situations of oppression or situations of deep suffering, situations of abandonment where they feel like, where is God. You know, there's some heroic uh, stories and storylines. One of my favorites is the story of Gideon. The reason why it's my favorite is because Gideon is hiding in a wine press threshing wheat. In other words, he's just surviving because he's being oppressed by another people. The people of God are kind of hiding out, trying to eke a living, survive in the midst of this uh, oppression. And God comes to him while he's doing that. And he says, hello, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, look around. I am not a warrior. I am not a mighty warrior. You know, this isn't true what's happening. And then, and then God, God says, um, uh, you are a mighty warrior. He just ignores his kind of complaints and stuff. And he says, no, no mighty warrior go in the strength you already have. And Gideon's like, where have you been Do you not see what's going on? Are you not present? You know, David, he says, like, where are you? My enemies are surrounding me on all sides, and there's no sign of you anywhere. Where are you? Jesus, uh, he he cries out, you know, have you forsaken me? Even on the cross, he's quoting, of course, uh, David, telling the truth. You know, I remember um, listening to a an interview with Eugene Peterson, who wrote the Bible uh, translation, the message version of the Bible, to, it, to make the Bible more relevant to a contemporary culture. And he was having a conversation with Bono, uh, the songwriter and singer of U2. And they're having this conversation, and Bono actually says in the conversation, one of the things I feel sorry about Christian worship leaders is that they can't tell the truth. You know, now Bono gets in a lot of hot water with Christians, even though he is himself a follower of Jesus, because he because of his language or his decorum, or sometimes like when he's in, in a song, even he writes songs. There's a song that's that says, Wake up, dead man, and he's speaking to Jesus, saying, like, wake up dead man, because the world is effed up. He uses the, and so Christians are like, oh, that's not, that's not cool. But actually that is more in keeping with the nature of the Psalms than our versions of optimistic, positive um, hope, which really is wishful thinking. So we've confused wishful thinking with hopefulness and no wonder it's not enough to get us through despairing and difficult times because hope at its core is honest, It's honest. It's not being afraid to tell the truth. It's not being afraid to declare what is. It's not being afraid to say, this is how I feel. Hope, that's where genuine, authentic, gritty, real, solid hope begins. It begins in honesty. Jesus, in his core teachings in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, he said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it's not until you get to the end of yourself. It's not until you get to some sort of honest admission that you even start to feel and know this other force, this other way of living, this other abundant life, this other way of living into the person of Jesus. The way that you participate in hopefulness is by getting honest, by getting honest. Okay, hope is honest. The second thing hope is, is it's present tense. In other words, hope is not a principle that I'm trying to live according to a hopeful principle. Hope is a presence. Hope is a characteristic, an eternal quality of God. Hope is what God has and who God is. And so if I want to cultivate honest hope, the only way I'm going to do that is by cultivating a relationship with God. I don't get my hope from other things. I get my hope from the source of hope, which is the eternal presence of God. Now, here's the problem with this, is that 75% of an average person's thought life is on the past or on the future. Think about it. 75% of your thought life is rehearsing events that have already happened, anyone, or thinking about events that are not happening now, but are coming up. That's the dominant, I would say anxiety is fueled by this reality. And all of us uh, struggle with this reality It's just how our brains are wired to rehearse the past. Uh, Worst case scenario, rehearsing tragedy, going over the ways people have heard us, you know, like rehearsing sort of all of these things or even best case scenario, just going like, oh, I wish I had said that or I wish I had this sort of this critiquing thing or we're living in the future. What's coming up? What's coming up? What's coming up? But hope (laughs) is found in the present tense. Hope is the presence of God right now. Hope is finding God with us right here and right now. I remember talking to a friend of mine who had survived just the kind of abuse that I don't even want to tell you about because it's so horrific. And as a child, she was locked in a closet this one time. I remember years later seeing her and she was helping us with some helping some other women out of some um, uh, slavery, forms of slavery. And I said to her, you know, I don't know how you're alive. I don't know how you're alive. Like, how are you here? I literally, like, I want you, if you heard her story, you would say that with me. Like, I don't even know how you're here. How did you make it this far? Like, how are you still alive? And she said to me, I remember as a little girl being locked in this closet. And she said, I had gone to Sunday school. I was locked in this closet. I was being kept home from school because my bruises were so extensive that my Parents knew they would get in trouble if they sent me to school. So they kept me home. They locked me in the closet for the day. And she said it was dark in there. And she said, I cried out in the closet by myself. I said, God, please, where are you? God, where are you? God, where are you? And she said, Danielle, I kid you not. In that closet, the darkness turned to light. And I heard a voice speak to me. And God said, I'm right here. This is the thing about honest hope, is that when you get to the end of yourself, when you're honest about your need, when you're real about where it is you find yourself, that's when you encounter the God who is with you. When you get there, That is a hope that cannot be shaken. That's where David could say, where could I even go from your presence? Where could I go? I could make my bed in the depths of hell. Anyone been there or know someone who's been there? You know, I've worked with so many people in addiction and I've gone to tons of 12-step meetings. Even myself, I've worked through my own addictions. I I went to a 12-step meeting and when they ask people to share their story, they don't ask people to share their misery. They ask people to share their experience and their hope. <laughs> if you ever you've had an opportunity to go to one of these things, it is perplexing because a person will get up and they will start sharing some of the most horrific things that they've done some of the most horrific things that have been done to them. They will share some of the most vulnerable and exposing things. You're just like, what is happening? How is this hopeful? Like this is, ah, it's the opposite of what our cultural impulse and what our cultural training has told us to do, which is to cover, which is to pretend, which is to be optimistic, which is to be like, well, we'll be fine, You know, we'll just power through. This experience is the opposite of that. It's the uncovering of the naked truth. And then right there is where they will tell you how they found a power greater than themselves. And that led them to freedom. That's hope. The present tense, this present moment to know that the more honest you are, but where you are, where your fears are, what's happening, where you find yourself, the crying out to God to say, where are you? Like we see in the biblical narrative so much, this honest, honest lament. You'll find God is with you right here, right now. In that, that's hope. The third principle of hope is that To be people of hope, to participate in hope, is to be active, not passive. Here's what I mean by that. I mean, again, that hope is not something that you see from a distance. Hope isn't something that you maybe glimpse. Hope is something that you see, God with us, and then you participate in. I mean, this is one of the great mysteries of the way that Jesus interacts with people. You know, when he interacts with, he sees somebody who needs healing and he'll say to them, what would you like me to do? And then they might say back, I'd like to see. And then Jesus will give them something to do. It's fascinating to me because he's speaking to people who have been made passive. They've been disempowered in their life. So most people who were suffering in those days, particularly of physical ailments, would have been theologically thought of. They'd done something wrong to deserve it. But also socially, they would have been less than. They would have really lacked choices. And what Jesus does is he gives them back choices. And the choices are always to participate in their own healing to participate with him in this exercise of hope. See, hope is not something we spectate. It's not something we're passively looking at. Hope is an action that we're participating in. Now I've discovered this in my own life. I'm an activist for the most part, but I'll tell you this. If I spectate from a distance, And I look at like a big issue. Let's say it's um, the refugee crisis in the world today. And I look at the refugee crisis and I look at the numbers and I do a TED talk and I just see the overwhelming, unwelcoming presence, the, the policies and procedures that exclude people, the like sheer need. I am overwhelmed. I'm paralyzed and I'm pretty hopeless about the situation. Then I get to work. I join a, I volunteer at a refugee house. I make friends with a refugee family. I help them. We create a relationship. They help me. They come to my house for dinner. I help as a reference on their form for whatever. They live in my house for a little while with me, whatever it is. I participate in helping and serving and being part of the healing of this family, of the welcome of this family, of the The hope for a future for this family. And guess what happens? I am so hopeful about the refugee crisis. (laughs) It's bizarre, but I'm telling you, this macro idea of critiquing and spectating from a distance is a breeder of despair. If you want to live hopefully and overflow with hope, even about macro issues, do something small, get involved, participate, get active in that action of serving other people, in that action of participating with God in bringing life and fullness and and truth to the world, you will find hope overflowing inside of you. This is what it means to live hopeful lives. And I pray that this is something that you can do. Now, I just wanna finish with this. I pray a prayer every day. It's from a way of life called infinitum, which is Latin for boundless. It's based on the boundless love of God. And I pray this posture prayer every day as a way of helping me live hopeful for the world. And this might help you too. So if you want, pray along with me. The first posture is a posture of surrender. So I just say, God, I surrender my life to you today. It is more than I can handle. And this is a part where you might wanna name exactly what it is that you're despairing and get honest about your own struggles and your own limitations and say, all of these things I give over to your care and to your love today. And then I hold my hands out in a posture like this, open-handed, and I just simply ask for what I need today in this present moment. Maybe it's grace, maybe it's mercy, maybe it's forgiveness, maybe it's strength. Whatever it is, maybe it's vision, maybe it's light, it's hope, receive it, it's free. Free for you to receive. And then I just simply say, I'm gonna look for where I can give these things away today. And the final posture is to open my uh, arms wide, like a big, big hug. (laughs) And I say to those who are struggling, I say to those people who feel alone and invisible and left out, that I see them that my life is open to them, that they are welcome to find home right here. And I, those postures of surrender, generosity, and mission keep my hope honest, keeps my hope daily present tense, and it keeps me active and not passive. And I overflow with authentic hope. That's what I keep praying for you too. May the God of hope fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him so that you overflow with hope by the power of his spirit.
0: Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. I love the simplicity yet powerful impact in the message that Danielle shared. Hope is honest. Hope lives in the present, is here with you right now, and hope is active oh good such a good message well i just wanted to share that i appreciate you and i am so grateful for you and the courage you are you have to serve your community and to show up authentically and it's just so incredible and i am so thankful for your time spent with us here on the podcast take care